0: Sodom and Gomorrah. Regardless of your biblical background, you've probably heard of these two cities. We started a discussion about these cities in our last podcast, and I mentioned that some people have varying opinions on the degree of wickedness we can surmise from various texts in the Bible. So today, we're going to continue that discussion, diving deeply into Genesis 19 and a few related passages from other biblical books. Now, even if this story is familiar, let me challenge you to look with fresh eyes keeping your eyes on our themes and your heart open to what God may have for us to learn. Welcome to season three of the Bible for My Ordinary Life podcast. My name is Alicia Parker and I'll be your host. Are you interested in what the Bible really means or wondering how it's relevant to life today? If so, this podcast is for you. In this season, we are going back to where it all begins, the book of Genesis. No matter what your age or your background, or your experiences with the Bible, I believe you can find something fresh and meaningful every time you study it. Hi, my name's Ariana. The Bible is for everyone. (laughs) Thanks, Ariana. All right, friends, let's get started. Today's text has a lot to say about Lot. Lot, if you remember, is Abraham's nephew. We first met Lot in Genesis 12, verses 4 and 5. So it's been a while. God had called Abraham to leave his land and his family and go where he would show him. Abraham went, and so did Lot. And by chapter 13, we learn that both Abraham and Lot have acquired a lot of things, and so they decided to split up. So they aren't trying to pull from the same resources. Abraham gave Lot first choice, and Lot picked the plain of the Jordan, which happened to be eastward from where they were at that time. Now, east was never a good direction to go in biblical narratives, But that's another lesson for another day. Now, by chapter 14, Lot's in trouble. There's a major war and Lot has been taken prisoner. So Abraham goes on a rescue mission. And despite the odds being against him, with God's help, Abraham prevails. He brings Lot back and all seems well and good. Several years pass and we find that Abraham, at 100 years old, have three visitors that visit with him and give a promise that within a year, Abraham's wife, Sarah, will have a baby. Then two of those three head to the nearby cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to check out if the cities are as bad as they've heard, and lo and behold, Lot is sitting at the city gate to greet them. So, let's just pause and do a quick summary. Lot started out as part of Abraham's community, then he went east and settled in the plains of Jordan, and when he was captured as prison of war, the Bible tells us he was living in Sodom, and now when we see Lot, we see he is the gatekeeper of Sodom. So I do all this as a quick review, but also because I want you to see that Lot has progressively moved farther away from where God was working and has gotten more deeply ingrained in the culture of his day. Each time we see Lot, he is further from Abraham and closer to the nearby culture. Now, what you might not know about the significance of finding a person sitting at the gate of a city is that only a well-respected member of the city leadership sat there. Lot, although a foreigner, had become such a part of Sodom, he was part of the city leadership. Now, we read verses 1 to 3 in our last podcast, but let's take a moment and reread those verses today. I'm reading from the net version, and I'm going to read up until verse 5. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening while Lot was sitting in the city's gateway. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face toward the ground. He said, Here, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house. Stay the night and wash your feet, and then you can be on your way in the early morning. No, they replied, we'll spend the night in the town square. But he urged them persistently, so they turned aside with him and entered his house. He prepared a feast for them, including baked bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they could lie down to sleep, all the men, both young and old, from every part of the city of Sodom, surrounded the house. And they shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. I always try to make a point to tell you what English version of the Bible I'm reading from. Now remember, the Bible wasn't originally written in English. These verses were originally written in Hebrew. And if you know anything about translation work, you know that you can't often do a word-for-word translation, keeping word order or syntax the exact same. You also know that figurative language doesn't translate well. In verse 5, we read that all the men of Sodom had told Lot to bring the visiting men out to them because they wanted to have sex with them. However, the original Hebrew doesn't actually say this. The words used in Hebrew if, if those were exactly translated, they would be something like, bring them out so they could know them. You see, the Hebrew word there is yada, but it's a euphemism. And a Hebrew speaker would know that the know there means to have sexual relations. This isn't an issue of the sodomites wanting to hang out with the new guys in town just to have some drinks and laughs and get to know them. I mentioned this in the last episode. There's a lot of resources available on this story. And some of those resources will argue that the main issue God had with Sodom was their lack of hospitality. And here's why. If you turn over to Ezekiel 16 and read verses 49 and 50, you can see why this argument is sometimes made. These verses say, see here, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had majesty, abundance of food and enjoyed carefree ease. But they did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and practiced abominable deeds before me. Therefore, when I saw it, I removed them. From this passage in Ezekiel and the exact translation of Genesis 19.5, some people want to argue that Sodom's issues were just limited to pride and selfishness, not being hospitable, and it wasn't really an issue of these men wanting to have homosexual relations with these visitors. But I don't think that's the case. Let's read a little further in Genesis. Lot went outside to them, shutting the door behind him. and He said, no, my brothers, don't act so wickedly. Look, I have two daughters who have never been intimate with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do to them whatever you please. Only don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Okay, so Lot goes from leader and gatekeeper of Sodom to suddenly on the defensive in a confrontation with the whole city, and he's pleading with the men of Sodom, who, by the way, he calls his brothers, he's pleading with them not to do this horrible thing, and he's willing to trade out his two virgin daughters in exchange for the safety of the visitors. I don't think this is just an issue of them being selfish and not hospitable and not caring for the needy. Now, let me ask you, how do you think Lot's daughters feel about this? And how old do you think they are? And given that they live in Sodom, I'd say they're fairly young. People married younger than we do today, probably in their teens, early teens, and they clearly haven't slept with a man. Are they pre-teens? Do they overhear that they're the bargaining chip? Does Lot realize that if he sends his two daughters out to be gang-raped by an entire city of men, they'll likely die from that? And even if they don't, they will be broken for life? I mean, this is Lot's mindset. And I have to wonder if it's because of his close proximity to this evil in Sodom that this seems acceptable to him. You see, I don't think this is a city of people whose only offenses are being prideful and inhospitable. Yes, those are issues Ezekiel writes about. But these are the kind of people who want to gang rape men and are the kind of people who offer their young daughters to be gang raped as a way to keep the peace. This place is evil, and Lot knows it. He says, Don't do this evil. Now, here's what happens next. I'm picking back up in verse 9. Out of our way, they cried. This man came to live here as a foreigner and now he dares to judge us. We'll do more harm to you than to them. And they kept pressing in on Lot until they were close enough to break the door. So the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and they shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house from the youngest to the oldest with blindness. The men outside wore themselves out trying to find the door. And then the two visitors said to Lot, who else do you have here? Do you have any sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or other relatives in the city? Get them out of this place because we are about to destroy it. The outcry against this place is so great before the Lord that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot has found himself moved from this gatekeeping position of leadership and status of brother to a place of defensiveness and being called a foreigner in a matter of moments. And he's being threatened to face worse consequences than gang rape. Now, thankfully, he's rescued by his two visitors. But did you picture this as I read it? I saw a Lot at the door to his house and this huge crowd of men pressing against the door. And I could envision these two angels disguised as men reaching outside, grabbing him and pulling him in and then barricading the door. And I just love verse 11. The entire town is blinded and they literally wear themselves out trying to find the door. Only God can take an enemy and strike it blind and prevent that enemy from finding those he is protecting. So the angel tells Lot to gather anyone in his home and get them to leave. And did you catch the reason why? Because the outcry against this place is so great before the Lord that he has sent us to destroy it. You see, I just don't think that the only issue is the Sodomites' arrogance and refusal to help the poor. Yes, those are issues. But the outcry is about the absolute wickedness of the city. Ezekiel 16.50 said the Sidonites were haughty, but it also said they practiced abominable things. God was disgusted with them, and he would have spared the two cities for 10 righteous people, but 10 were not to be found. Lot's starting to get that things are so bad, and so he does go talk to his future sons-in-law, These would be the guys that are supposed to marry the daughters that he was willing to give to the crazy crowd nearly beating down his door. This is what verse 14 says. Then Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were going to marry his daughters. He said, quick, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was ridiculing them. So picture this again. The entire town wears themselves out and goes home maybe? Are they still blind? Are they stumbling about? Has the sun set? I don't know, but somehow Lot leaves his house and finds his sons-in-laws. Or were they part of this riot? Do they live like in Lot's compound? I honestly have no idea. But Lot goes and talks to them, and they think he's joking or mocking them, so they won't leave. Verse 15 picks up at dawn. At dawn, the angels hurried Lot along saying, "'Get going, take your wife and your two daughters "'who are here, or else you will be destroyed "'when the city is judged.' "'When Lot hesitated, the men grabbed his hand "'and the hands of his wife and his two daughters "'because the Lord had compassion on them. "'They led them away and placed them outside the city. "'When they brought them outside, they said, "'Run for your lives. "'Don't look behind you or stop anywhere in the valley. "'Escape to the mountains or you will be destroyed.'" But Lot said to them, No, please, Lord, your servant has found favor with you, and you have shown me great kindness by sparing my life. But I'm not able to escape to the mountains, because this disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, this town over here is close enough to escape to, and it's just a little one. Let me go there. It's just a little place, isn't it? Then I'll survive. The sun has peeked up into the sky, and the angels are urgent. But did you catch Lot's response? he hesitated. The angels had to grab his hand and then the hands of his wife and daughters and literally drag them out. Then when instructed to go all the way to the mountains, Lot begs to just go halfway to this nearby town. And I kind of want to say, oh Lot, you always just have to cut corners and straddle one foot in what God wants for you and one foot in what you want for your own self, don't you? But if I were to say that, I should probably consider if the same pattern is in my own life. Now, let's just, for the sake of review, go through this progression again. Lot started out in Abraham's care, in the center of God's calling on Abraham's life. Part of something God was going to do that was going to be amazing. But he got so much wealth, he moved away. He had to split up from Abraham because they just... We were too rich to share the same land. So he moved away from Abraham to the plains. Now, while there, he gets captured. He gets involved in these wars and worldly things, and he gets carried away. But Uncle Abraham comes to the rescue and saves him. Now, does Lot return to the safety of Abraham's company? No. Now, he gets closer to Sodom, so close he moves in. And then he becomes a leader and a gatekeeper, and God is about to destroy Sodom because it is so evil. So does Lot run for the mountains to the place he's commanded to go and is told is the safest place? No. He pegs for a halfway point, a nearby town that's easier and likely offers more comfort and ease than living in the caves of a mountain. Now, throughout our study of Genesis, we've looked at human patterns in just about every character we've studied so far. Lot isn't so different from humans I know, myself included at times. It is hard to fully trust and follow God. It is hard to leave behind friends and wealth and a culture where we have power and position. It's hard to separate ourselves from what the world values, even if we recognize it as evil. Lot did leave Sodom, and he did turn those men away and try to protect his visitors, but in the end he was practically dragged away by those angels. He and his family were told not to look back, and you probably know the story. His wife did. She turned her back to look at Sodom and turned into a pillar of salt. Lot's wife couldn't even keep her eyes fixed on her salvation. She had to look back to the city of evil, and it cost her her life. It can be hard for us to leave the things we love, even if they are the very things that will destroy us. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed for their evil works. God could not even find 10 righteous people there and the people that his angels tried to save could barely leave. Our culture has some pretty enticing things for us as well. As an American, I live a life of wealth, comfort, ease, and general safety. But maybe all this comfort and ease has made me less aware of just how far away my culture is from the center of God's will. As believers, Our calling is to follow Christ, and that's going to be awfully hard to do if we are gatekeepers of our modern-day Sodom. So let's commit to being more aware of this truth and to listen when God says leave. Wherever God has called you, take heed from this story. Head straight there and don't look back. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoy what you heard. Don't forget to leave a review and connect with us on Instagram. The Bible is for everyone.